We are finishing chapter 11 today in uh, Hebrews, and today is going to be more of a review than it is going to be a, um, a typical sermon. And so I want to uh, draw your attention to these passages. We're going to be starting in verse 30. I'm going to read the passage all the way to the end of the chapter. And let me give you just a little bit of a, of a kind of where we're going, okay? Uh, as soon as we finish uh, chapter 11 today, we are then going to be moving on into chapter 12 and 13, of course, but we're going to be moving through those a little bit faster than we have in the past. So we're going to be, my aim is that we're going to be finished with Hebrews by the end of this month. Uh, we will be done with Hebrews. My next, uh, th- my next idea at this point, unless the Lord changes my mind, is uh, that uh, we are going to be moving into Jonah through the month of March, and we're going to walk through that one chapter a week all the way through March. And then starting in, uh, starting in April, we're going to go back to the New Testament. We're, we're going to go to one of Paul's or John's uh, shorter uh, letters. I'm not 100% sure which, uh, which direction I want to go there. Um, but I just want to uh, kind of give you an update of where we're going. I like to give the congregation kind of a, a view, of, view ahead. Um, I'd love to go into another one of the larger uh, texts in the New Testament, but I, this has been a marathon that we've been on. We've start, we started this, if you remember, uh, the first Sunday in January of 2020. And now we are in February of 2021, and we're still two chapters from finishing. Now, part of that is because we had to deal with a break at, with COVID and stuff like that. But um, it's also because we want to take our time in these passages. Every one of these verses has in a significant meaning. There's significant depth to each one of these passages, and we don't want to gloss over it. And so I wanted to take my time through that. But today we're going to finish chapter 11, reading verses 30 through the end of the chapter. I believe that's 40. So would you join with me? It says here in the text, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. And this is our focal passage, 38 through the end of the chapter. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for these names mentioned in this text today and those that were named uh, previously, Lord, in our passages before this. And we thank you for their testimony. We thank you for their example. We thank you for their model of how faith should be lived out. Father, we, we understand by reading Scripture, though it doesn't always resonate with us, that living our faith out in our lives um, often comes with a price. Um, it comes with a price according to this world. Uh, we see in this passage, Father, that so many individuals that we are that we read about and that we are that we uh, that we hold in high regard with regards to their faith and Scripture holds them with high regard. They came to an untimely or at least a uh, an unfortunate end. They had difficulties in their lives. They struggled in their lives. They were persecuted, they were cast out, they were mocked, they were ridiculed, and many were killed. Yet they persevered, not by their own strength, but the strength of the Holy Spirit, by the faith that you you had given them. And yet they did not see their reward in their lifetime. But they looked ahead to see what was to come to see how Christ would fulfill every promise that you made. And so, Father, we rest on that promise this morning. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning's message is entitled, Faith Until the End. In the past weeks, we have looked at different characters in Scripture. We've looked at Abel. We've looked at Noah, we looked at Abraham and Sarah, we've looked at Moses. And this morning, the author is concluding this passage by listing several more. And in fact, he says right here, I love this, after he talks about Rahab, which is a very interesting character to include in this list. And if you you know that story in Joshua, it was the first battle that that they really had. And you had this kind of ragtag sort of inconsequential group of individuals they didn't have any history in combat they just were enslaved for so many years and then all of a sudden they have been gifted they've been blessed with being able to escape escape egypt only to then what go into the wilderness for so many years and so now you have generations escaping the wilderness that didn't even really they didn't experience the past of their parents And now they're crossing over the Jordan into this promised land. And here they are faced with Jericho and they must bring down Jericho. I mean, what a task that they have, right? And it's not by military might that those walls come down. What is it? It is by faithful individuals led by Joshua to walk around that city blowing horns and shouting for those mighty walls to come down. Now, folks, that's faith. That's faith. I guarantee you that if a general or if a commander-in-chief went to, their, went to the military today and told them, I want you to go take this city, 
And they'll look at you and they'll say, well, how do you want us to do it, uh, sir? Uh, do you want us to, you know, what kind of strategy do you want us to form? Uh, where do the missiles go? Where does the, where does the infantry go? Where are these tanks going to run? All that stuff. Folks, I wasn't in the military, so I'm making half that up. I watch a lot of TV. But you get the idea, right? All right? I mean, that's, you know, that's the questions. Those are the questions that they're going to ask. And then the general or the commander-in-chief says, no, 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 scratch that. We're going to do something different. I just want you to kind of walk around the city like seven times, blowing horns really loud. Just honk your horn really, really loud. And then on the last day, I want you to shout really, really loud, like cheer, right? And then I, I promise you, that city's going to be defeated right then. Folks, there's going to be a special padded room for that individual that makes that suggestion, right? But that's exactly what was made to these individuals, and that's what they did. And then you have Rahab, Rahab, who was not of the people of Israel, right? But then she trusts the God of Israel to keep her safe as she helps the spies, and she does not fall to the same fate as her compatriots, right? She trusts in this God, in Yahweh. And then we get this whole list of individuals here. It says, and, and I love what the author says. He says, and what more can I say? What more can I say? Because time is too short. What does he mean by that? There's not enough pages. There are not, there are not enough pages. There are not enough scrolls. There's not enough papyrus. There's not enough ink in the world to jot down all the examples of the committed faith that we see in these individuals of Scripture uh, as an example. There's just too many examples of it. I mean, check out Gideon. Check out Daniel. Check out David. Check out that, that, that image of those three Hebrew boys in the fire. Check out that image of Daniel in the lion's den and how those lion's mouths were kept closed. What about Elijah and Elisha walking through the deserts? What about David hiding in a cave to save himself? What about all these different examples? There's just not enough time. Not enough time to go through all those examples. I love that. I love it when the authors in Scripture relay how limited they are in their ability to attest at how, God, how good God is. And that's really our orientation. That's how our orientation should be our, in our life. Our attitude in life is that we do not have time in our life. We really don't. We don't have time. We do not have the ability to relay just how good and kind our God has been to us. We don't. If you were to be given every day, every hour, every minute, every second, for the rest of your life, just to praise and talk about how good God was, you would not be able to scratch the surface. You wouldn't. You would not be able to scratch the surface. But that doesn't mean that we don't try. That doesn't mean that we don't give our lives over to exalting God in every facet of our life. And that's what the author is saying here. He's saying there's just not enough time to talk about the faith of these individuals. And make, it, make no mistake, the author is thankful for these individuals who lived out their faith. Were they perfect men and women? Absolutely not. In fact, many of the individuals that were mentioned here, almost every one of them that we've talked about, had very serious flaws in their life. 
from Abraham to Noah to Rahab to King David, they had very serious flaws in their life. But they still demonstrated a faith given to them by God, and God used them for His glory. You know, that's an amazing truth in and of itself, that God can use imperfect, sinful people for His sake. In fact, it is often seen in Scripture that God uses the worst of us to do His greatest work. What about Paul, the killer of Christians? Every time I say that, I look over at Paul, and that's not what I mean. (laughs) And then here at the end of this passage, we see this this phrase starting with uh, verse 36. The author says, talking about these individuals that lived out their faith, it says, others experienced, well, let's go to verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured and not accepting release so that they may gain a better resurrection. So it is true that many individuals, all right, in Scripture, due to their faith, saw many, many blessings. Think of Sarah. Think of Rachel. Think of Hannah. Think of these individuals who were blessed because of their faith, were given progeny, were helped to see the line, the promise of God being answered, right? But so many more in Scripture kept their faith, yet in their faith endured great, great hardship. Verse 36, others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. Folks, they weren't anesthetized before this. They were sawed in two. Can you imagine that? They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Why? Because they were willing, they were willing to accept the pain and the discomfort and the torture, if you will, of what this world had to, ha- had to have, had to offer, in order to do one of two things, and often both at the same time, to magnify God, to magnify God, and to not defame the name of God at the same time. I always go back to those three little Hebrew boys in Daniel, Radshach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how easy... It was. Maybe we'll do a, a sermon series in Daniel here coming up because I love that book and I love the faith that is demonstrated in that book. But I want you to just get a picture, just a quick picture of those three young men. You know, in 605, Israel was, uh, Judah and Israel, they were taken in that general era, uh, time frame. They were, that their cities were sacked by Babylon and they were taken to Babylon, to a foreign land, away from their away from their people, away from their homeland, away from the promised land, if you will, taken into exile due to their own sin, and now they're placed with this foreign government, with foreign gods and foreign practices. And then the king tells them, he says, worship this giant pole that I have before you now, and, and, and eat the food that is offered to idols. I mean, these things that would have been completely uh, idolatrous if they had done them in their own home country. Many of them actually were doing them in their own country. That's why they ended up in Babylon. But here you have these three young men and Daniel, and they would have been, in the eyes of their friends, in the eyes of their, 
uh, many of their compatriots during that time, they would have been completely justified giving in that God gave us over to these Babylonians so we can go ahead and we're just going to do what Babylon says, what Nebuchadnezzar says, because the most important thing is that we just stay alive. That was not the most important thing to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was not the most important thing to Daniel during that time. The most important thing to them was not that they would keep their life. The most important thing to them is that they would magnify God with their life or with their death. That was the most important thing to them. And then we get to verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. Do you know of people in your life that you can look at, maybe right now, maybe who have gone on to be with the Lord, and you can look at them and you can say, the world was not worthy of The world just wasn't worthy of them. The world did not deserve that person. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's a dear friend. And you can just sit here saying, that person lived their life out for Christ. They gave themselves to their Savior, and they gave themselves to their neighbor. And they died. The world is not worthy of having such an individual. And that's what the author is saying. The world was not worthy of having these individuals, these heroes of the faith. Let's just go to the very, the ultimate. The world was not worthy to have Christ. The world was not worthy to have Christ. There was nothing in this world that garnered any type of earning of the man who we call Jesus. It just, we weren't, we weren't worth it. The world wasn't worth it. But in God's sovereign plan, in His providence, and in His love, He sent Christ to the unworthy to save themselves from their sin. The world was not worthy of these individuals. The world was not worthy of Stephen who was stoned. The world was not worthy of the apostle John, the beloved disciple. The world was not worthy of John the Baptist who was beheaded. The world was not worthy of Mary, the mother of Jesus. The world was not worthy of any of these individuals, but God in his might and in his sovereignty and in his kindness blessed the world with these individuals to give us some type of view of His goodness and to demonstrate what real faith is. So when we look and we wonder, what is true faith? The true faith is not demonstrated by when things are easy. True faith is when is demonstrated by things that are absolutely impossible to accomplish in our own power. That's true faith demonstrated and applied. Those walls do not come down on their own. Those walls come down only by the power of God. Those three Hebrew boys do not survive the fire on their own. They are only surviving it through the power of God. The world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts 
and on mountains, hiding in caves, and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith. They were approved through their faith. Now remember, if you look at this passage and you forget where faith comes from, you might start exalting the man rather than the God behind the man. If you just look at their actions, you might begin exalting Gideon and Daniel and David. You might begin exalting Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Sarah and Hannah and Mary and, and Joseph, the, the father of Je I mean, you might start exalting those individuals. But we know where faith comes from. Faith comes from the only God who is able to keep us from falling. It says, all of these were approved through their faith. And then it says, and we revert back to the beginning of the passage, to the beginning, or actually to the middle of chapter 11, where it says, but they did not receive what was promised. Most of us, go through our lives working and spending hours and hours and hours either on a factory line or in an office or, you know, in a classroom or in, you know, somewhere in a cubicle, maybe out in a field. We spend our hours working hard, most of us, throughout our lives, expecting a reward at the end of that time. And that reward is called retirement. And it comes, hopefully, with a pension or a 401k or, at the very least, Social Security, right? We're hoping for that reward at the end, that promised reward, right? There's a pro Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, okay? I'm going to tell you right now. I don't put in the hours and the effort that I'm doing right now at my place of employment if it's not for a decent pension after this is done. All right, I'm banking on that. I'm going to take Crystal on a big trip, on a big trip. We're going to Indiana. And I mean, <laughs> gee, thanks. Uh, so, but I mean, we're, I mean, there's a reward at the end, folks. These individuals lived out their faith, gave their life, their comfort, everything for the cause of Christ, living out their faith. Yet they did not receive that promise in their lifetime. They were looking ahead. They were looking ahead. And I love what it says here at the end of this. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that they did not get to see the promise fulfilled. Now, what is the fulfillment of that promise? It's in Christ. Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. Daniel did not get to see the Christ fulfilling the law. Daniel did not get to see, David did not get to see the Christ. Isaiah did not get to see the Christ. Abraham did not get to see the Christ fulfilling the law. Moses did not get to see the Christ 
fulfilling the law in which he transcribed for his God. They didn't get to see it. And why is that? They didn't get to see it because God had provided something better for us. Remember, the audience that he's writing to, they have seen it. They have experienced it. Remember, many of the individuals that would read this would have seen Christ in the flesh. Not just in memory, not just of stories around a campfire or in the synagogues or in the houses under lock and key. They would have seen Him. They would have seen the promises of God fulfilled not in the actions of mortal, fallible men, but by the love of Christ given to us on a cross to pay for our sin. Because make no mistake, those faithful individuals in Scripture who went on before us, who died not receiving the promise, now do have their reward. And it is the same reward that awaits us. So let me encourage you this morning. Let me encourage you this morning to not get lazy in our walk with Christ. Do not get lazy in our walk with Christ. Folks, because there's not enough time, there's not enough, there's not enough days in the calendar, there's not enough minutes in our days to really exalt God and exalt Christ to the level to which He deserves. There's not enough time. So let's not waste our time doing piddly things. Let's at least give everything that we have in order to magnify Christ with the time that we have been given. And folks, we do not know how much time we have been given. Over the course of the past year, year and a half, there have been individuals who took their health for granted, who discovered how fickle their health really is. There are individuals who were here one day and then discovered that a little microscopic bug can wipe them out. If this virus has done anything, hopefully, for us, it has demonstrated how much of life is truly a vapor, how much of life really is fragile. It has done that for us. It has demonstrated to us that there really is not enough time in our day to be horsing around with things that are going to fade, with things that are going to be washed away, with things that are going to rust and that moths will destroy. So instead of focusing on that stuff, let's model our lives after these individuals. God is using imperfect people. You may say, well, I'm nowhere near David. I'm nowhere near these individuals. How can I do this? How I can't be a Sarah. Mentioned it. Folks, Sarah wasn't that good. 
she laughed and kind of mocked God. David was not that good. He committed murder, basically. Paul killed all the Christians. God uses imperfect, sinful people for His purposes. You and I are imperfect, sinful individuals who have been called to His purpose. So let's not waste time. That our hand is continuing to spin around that clock every day. And the time is growing near. I believe that that is why Paul emphasized so much in his letters that Christ was going to return at any moment. He kept on saying it. He kept on saying it. And the reason he kept on saying it was to impress upon the hearts and the minds of his listeners, of his brothers and sisters in Christ, to let them know that there is no time to waste. So let's get to the business of living for Christ and put away these childish things that we have gravitated to. The world was not worthy. We were not worthy of receiving such a Christ. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only, His unique Son, that, who would, that whosoever would believe upon Him would not perish, but have eternal life. Do you believe that this morning? And if you do believe that, then live like you believe that. Let's pray. Father, we thank You and we love You and we give You all the praise and all the glory. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful modelers of the faith, that we would give You glory in every aspect of our lives and that we would not fail, that we would not take for granted all that You have given us. Lord, be with us as we conclude this service. Help us to respond in kind to what you have done for us. And help us to be faithful. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.